Blog Talk Radio. ready for Battleground last night. Tonight, we're going to give you our thoughts on Battleground, as well as getting you ready for Monday Night Raw. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Right now, on the Facebook page, we got a chat up there. You can talk during the show on our Facebook page. Get uh, you know your opinions out there on our chat later on tonight during Monday Night Raw, which might be a crazy Raw tonight. Uh, we will have a chat going on on the Facebook page as well. So get on over to the Facebook, like us, get involved with the chat. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at the Ken Reedy Show. Again, Twitter at the Ken Reedy Show. And our website is thekenreedyshow.com. Blogs, uh, pictures, lots of great stuff over there on thekenreedyshow.com. And give us a call tonight, 347 838 9815, that is the number to call if you want your voice heard. Jam-packed show tonight. A little bit later on, the all-star, Michelle D., IWF wrestler, is going to be on the show talking about the resurgence of female wrestling, as well as their big event coming up this Friday night for IWF. So you want to be on board to hear what she thinks about the, the state of ladies wrestling as well as what's going on in the IWF, and she's going to be on a little bit later on. If you want to check us out on iTunes, you can subscribe very easily for free. If you just check out 1640 PWPR, that is the new exciting network we are a part of, a network of great wrestling podcasts uh, over there on the PWPR. It's easy. Just open your iTunes up. Search bar, type in 1640 PWPR, and our network pops up. Click subscribe, it's for free, and then you can listen to all the great shows on 1640. Access to great stuff, just to name a few The King Firehawk, The Top Rope Report, New Surge, Cool Down with AC, and there's so much more. Our show's up there, obviously. Head on over to iTunes, subscribe to 1640 PWPR 
for the latest, greatest podcast in the world of professional wrestling. And we're going to go out right now because there's so much to get into as far as what happened last night in Battleground. I uh, wouldn't be able to make heads or tails out of all the craziness that went on last night without my tag team partner who is on the line right now. Dave, how are you doing this evening? As the official coin flipper of the Ken Reedy Show, making heads or tails of things, I am cooling off, taking a page out of the cool down right here on 1640 PWPR, and I'm cooling off on this sweltering summer evening. It is. It is ridiculously hot out today, so uh, trying to keep cool, you guys. Hope you're cool. Hope, you know, get your friends, get in the AC, give a listen to our show. Uh, anyway, you know, I got to tell you something, Dave. You know, last night, it, it's kind of cool, but we've uh, we've developed, actually, a, a decent-sized group that uh, comes to watch pay-per-views now uh, at the Ken Reedy Show Studios. And, uh, you know, we have a jam-packed living room watching the pay-per-view. And, uh, um, you know, so when now when there's a living room pop, it's a legit pop. Uh, we got a bunch of people, but I got to say, the funniest thing last night, and, and it happened kind of organically... Somehow we were talking about not liking the commentating. Surprise. And somehow we got on talking about the Muppets. And then we thought, you know what they need? They need the Count as a commentator. And that that actually led to, and, I, and I'm not kidding, we, we had a, a living room full of people, most of which are over the age of 30. And every suplex that, like the first one that, that, uh, Brock Lesnar hit last night. All of a sudden, our entire living room just went, that's one, one suplex. Ah, 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 ah. And <laughs> we proceeded to do that the entire freaking match. I think we got up to 12 or 13 suplexes. But we just, every single one, that's five, five suplexes. Ah, 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 ah. A room full of, like, 15 adults uh, doing our best impression of the count. It, it was pretty funny. You guys must have been pretty deep in the uh, the, the the libations to, uh, to, to <laughs> perhaps to come up with the idea of having the Muppets do the uh, talk about the Muppets and then turn the count into uh, the, the the next uh, color commentator for WWE. I'm not gonna lie, having a power hour beforehand may have had a little bit to do with number one talking by, about the count and number two thinking it was as funny as we thought it was, but. Uh, Good time had by all. Um, it was neat. You know, it's fun when you, you know, it gives you a little taste of what it's like to be there live. Um, but, lots, you know, last night, as an overview, and I want to get your take as an overview, I, I thought it was a decent pay-per-view. Uh, it wasn't great. Uh, it was good. There was some great stuff, I think, that came out of it. I think you got another great performance out of John Cena and Kevin Owens. Uh, the ladies laid it down. Last night, um, you know, I, I thought that Sheamus and uh, Orton was a decent match. Uh, Reigns and, and Wyatt, I thought you had a lot of decent matches. Um, as much as, look, I'll admit it, live, hashtag living room pop, when Taker showed up at the end of the night, it got a living room pop. However, as the dust settles, uh, you know that the championship match in and of itself kind of leaves you flat. A lot of questions now surrounding where they're going to go with not only the championship, but Lesnar and The Undertaker. And breaking news right before we came on the air, Taker is 
at um, I love when WWE like posts their own spoilers, but uh, WWE reported that Taker is backstage at Monday Night Raw and is expected to open uh, Monday Night Raw. So we'll see if if the spoiler from the WWE is actually true. But that was breaking right before we went on the air. So uh, uh, lots of lots of good stuff that came out of last night's pay per view, Dave. But the end was um, lots of questions. Well, you know, decent is a good word to put last night's show. With the good comes with the uh, comes the bad, and uh, I I wasn't really I love Orton, but I was not really impressed with the match with him and Sheamus. I thought it was a standard affair between the two. Same thing with the tag team match. Um, I like the Roman Reigns uh, Bray Wyatt match, girls match. They tore it up, um, and you know the Divas match was not a bathroom break. I'm not even call it a Divas match because I'm I'm going to call it a ladies wrestling match. Because uh, that's what it was, uh, for the for the most part. And uh, John Cena and Kevin Owens. I mean, we'll discuss that further. But that was a great match. They topped themselves once again. Uh, main event. As interested as I was in seeing the main event and seeing what was going to happen with the with the, the possible implications of Undertaker, um, I was really surprised at how short it was. Um, by the time the, uh, the 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 bell rang, it was you know roughly around 10.30, and then uh, Taker makes the appearance in the ring, and it's like 10.42, and then they go off the air at like 10.45, 10.46 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I pay more on my cable bill monthly to watch Raw that goes three hours and sometimes 15 minutes, and I pay $9.99 a month for WWE Network, and you get a show that's only two hours and 45 minutes? And that's supposed to be the pay-per-view, the bigger show than the TV show. I was just kind of disappointed. I thought that was a little bit of a letdown on top of the, the storytelling that uh, took place with Undertaker's appearance. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's interesting to see now what, where we go. I mean, I think that, like, what, what happened, you know, and, and you bring up a good point. I mean, you know, where's the WWE go? This is their big event or a big event, one of their special events. Um, it's a pay-per-view. It's supposed to be bigger than Monday Night Raw's. But, you know, sometimes you get a pay-per-view that is a great show in and of itself, and sometimes you get a pay-per-view that's just there to set up what's what's coming up next. And and I do think that what we got out of that main event really was was kind of a throwaway, honestly, just to get us excited and speculating and fantasy booking and everything else uh, for SummerSlam. Uh, it just gave us a ton of question marks coming out of that match. Um, you know, intriguing stuff. You know, to me, like the the least of which, you know, the obvious thing, the Undertaker shows up. And again, living room pop when he first showed. As the dust settles and I start thinking about it, for me as a fan, number one, I don't know if I want to see the rematch uh, with Taker versus Lesnar, especially at SummerSlam. Um, to me. That's like when you hear about, you know, in, in football, uh, you know, New England beat Seattle last year in the Super Bowl. And then, you know, maybe, and I don't even know what the schedules are, but let's just say Seattle's playing New England this year in the regular season, and Seattle beats New England. And, and people are like, well, Seattle got their revenge for last year's Super Bowl. No, they didn't. They didn't even a little bit. You lost the Super Bowl. And to me, it's the same thing. Like, if you have Taker go over at SummerSlam against Lesnar, who cares? 
Lesnar took the streak at, at WrestleMania. Nothing can take that away from, from Lesnar. Nothing changes that. So, to me, like, Taker beating Lesnar now would leave me a little bit empty, um, number one. Number two, I thought Taker, you know, all the respect in the world for, for that dude. I mean, you know, he is an all-time great, bar none. Uh, he's right up there. You know, he's one of those guys, you know, I don't put him as number one, but if you put him at, as the greatest of all time, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, he is just, he's an all-time great. He's on a short list. But, man, he, he did kind of look old last night. Um, you know, and the way, okay, I'm trying to be nice here, but the way they built Lesnar for Taker to beat Lesnar, uh, to me, doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Um, so it's, it's a big, big fat question mark. Where do they go? And as the match ended, I mean, what the hell happened to Rollins? I mean, Taker's notorious for appearing and disappearing and levitating and coming back from the dead. Rollins did his own disappearing act last night. Who the hell knows where he is and what he's thinking um, and where they're going to go storyline-wise with him. The one thing I did find very intriguing was the fact that, uh, you know, it's amazing. This is how you know you're a wrestling fan, when you you find a kick to the nads. Intriguing. That is the word I'm going to use for a kick to the nads. But it, it, it was a heelish kind of move. And do we see Taker come back? Uh, you know, his motivation is, is, is he allied with uh, the authority? Um, is he here because he's getting, you know, maybe it's not the streak, but it's revenge for what Lester did to his brother? Um, you know, what, what exactly is But that, I, I thought that was kind of heelish and interesting that, that he, he kicked him below the belt. Um, you know, I just didn't think, like, anyone came out of the main event looking good. Uh, again, a lot of question marks. And, you know, it, it's getting you like it's, you know, you're putting your fantasy booking hat on uh, for, for SummerSlam. But I, I honestly, I don't know where exactly you're going with this. Um, triple threat. Does Taker want the title? Does Taker want Lesnar? Uh, what is wrong? I mean, it's it, it's a whole big mess, Dave. It, it is. It's, um, you know, here, here are my gripes, you know, and bear with me for just a moment. Uh in regards to the, the, the Undertaker sighting. Like you, you know, you hear the gong, it's a big deal, okay? He comes out. But here's my gripe, and I had this gripe for WrestleMania, too, watching him. You know, he was gone for so long before WrestleMania. Undertaker's always been known to be one of those guys that just reinvents his look, you know, with, with his attire, his, uh, you know, cosmetically, with his hair, uh, you know, just, just the look. He's always changing it up, Okay changing things, making things different, keeps you guessing. That's one of the things I've always loved about his character. There's probably, you could probably take over a dozen pictures of Undertaker over the years, and some of those pictures, you could probably say, you know, he's definitely different than the other, okay? That was a big gripe for me at WrestleMania. He came back, he just looked like, Undertaker just looked like, like your drunk uncle that you just woke up, and it's like, time to go to work. And he looked like that last night, too. Um, that was the first gripe I had, just his look. I think, you know, for somebody as, as, as big a stature as the Undertaker character is, I would, and this is no disrespect intended to the man himself, but I would just think that you would want to cosmetically keep up a good appearance, especially if you're going to be put into a storyline with a guy who, 
looks like he's built out of stone in Brock Lesnar. That's the first thing. Second thing, he didn't really look like he was moving around too well. When he, he looked like he had trouble lifting Lesnar up a few times during the spot with the tombstones. People ate it all up because it's Undertaker. You're going to eat it up if he comes out there in a wheelchair. But regardless of the fact, it just didn't look – it looked forced. And how am I going to believe as a fan that a guy like Undertaker at his age – Moving around the way he's moving is going to beat Brock Lesnar now, okay? And the other the other issue I have is that if they're going to base this storyline, this upcoming potential match with Lesnar and Undertaker at SummerSlam based on Undertaker wanting to avenge his loss from WrestleMania 30, with all due respect, as a character, I don't know why the Undertaker would want to avenge the loss it's not like Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman screwed him out of the match. It's not like there was a, 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 a you know, a, a fast count, some kind of screw job, um, interference, outside interference, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't like any of that happened. Brock Lesnar just mauled him, dominated him, and beat him. One, two, three. End of discussion. No help. It was all him. His character. Okay? So, you think that as... as the legend that Undertaker is, he would respect the fact that that man beat him straight up in the middle of the ring, one, two, three. So I don't know why you'd come back to avenge your loss against Brock Lesnar. After last night, seeing all that, a lot of signs point to him versus Brock at SummerSlam, you know, next month. And I could see that possibility. I'm not a big fan of it. But with Rollins disappearing... And Rollins playing up his role as a heel very, very well in WWE. I can see Rollins coming out tonight, cutting a promo, possibly even interrupting Undertaker, um, bragging about beating Brock Lesnar, which then could insert him into it and make it a triple threat match for the title. Undertaker wanting to get one last crack at the title while at the same time trying to avenge his loss against Brock Lesnar. You know, I could see maybe... Like I said, Rollins coming out there, cutting a promo, bragging, boasting that he's the man. He burned Suplex City to the ground. And Triple H, who's the, you know, the, the boss, could put him in another compromising position, having to defend the title against two individuals, the stature of Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker, making it virtually impossible for Seth Rollins' character to walk out of SummerSlam with the championship, which would be a great rub for him being in the main event as the champion against two guys like that. That's what I'm kind of hoping to see. But I kind of have that feeling that they really want to revisit Brock and Undertaker again, which I got no interest in whatsoever in a singles match. It wasn't a great match at WrestleMania, albeit Undertaker was cut. He, he, he was moving around a little slow. It just was not a good match. I don't care to see it again. I don't think it's going to deliver in terms of hype or in terms of match quality. Well, I mean, the thing is, look, and, you know, and we say this here, and, and perfectly honest, I mean, all the respect in the world to what The Undertaker has done over the course of his career, you know, it's, you know, but you got to call a spade a spade, and nobody beats Father Time, period. Uh, it's just the way it is. It, it's a shame, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm you know, after, look, the, you're right, Dave, like the, the Brock Lesnar-Taker match at WrestleMania 30, um, was not a good match. It was a shocking finish, but it wasn't a good match. Um, this year against Bray Wyatt was better, but it wasn't a great match. It was a good match. It wasn't a great match. 
And, you know, maybe Taker, to a certain extent, is a victim of his own success. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had uh, quite a number of WrestleManias, you know, had the match of the night and, and, and delivered classics. Um, you know, he's a guy that, for me, look, you want to do what you want to do It's your life, you, you, you live your life. As a fan, for me, selfishly, I, I don't want to watch Taker age before my eyes. I don't want to see The Undertaker in crappy matches. I don't want to watch The Undertaker and be thinking, uh, he's just he, he looks so past his prime. And, uh, you know, ultimately that's selfish for us as fans, but that's that's where my, my gut is. That I, I, you know, I, I just don't want to see it. I'd rather him just hang it up. Uh, get his props, go into the Hall of Fame. Um, if he's going to have like one more match, have uh, you know, do an Undertaker weekend in Texas next year. Have him go get inducted, have his final match at WrestleMania. I'm all for that. Um, but you know, there's there's stuff where like you know, in, in wrestling, there's uh, there's age, obviously. There's injuries that can catch up to you. There's also in-ring chemistry. Um, you know, and I don't know if it was the concussion, if it was in-ring chemistry, if it was a combination of all these things. But, you know, to me, Lesnar is an absolute specimen. And you said it, Dave, you know, it chiseled out of granite. I mean, he's a monster. Um, but I don't necessarily think that, that, number one, that Lesnar's a guy that you want to get in the ring with hoping he's going to take care of you. Um, and number two, he's, you know, he's not a guy that, look, he wasn't, you know, he, he was he was a collegiate wrestler. He obviously, after going being in the WWE, he went to MMA. This guy's a real fighter. Um, so, you know, making someone else look good um, might not be his 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 suit. It might not be you know his his strong point. He's good at just being a monster and being in the ring with guys who know how to sell his moves and know how to sell his moves without getting hurt. And so, putting Taker and and Lesnar uh, in the ring together. Uh, to me, the story's there. I mean, absolutely, the story is there. Um, but I, I'm with you, Dave. I don't know if I necessarily want to see that match. And, uh, you know, who knows what they're going to do. I mean, a triple threat would, would make sense. Uh triple threat, you know, if, if Rollins were to come out of SummerSlam as champ uh, in a triple threat match of that caliber, it, it really does become reminiscent of uh, Jericho with uh, Austin and Rock. Um, Rollins would be over like a million bucks, um, but it remains to be seen. So obviously we're going to get some answers um, tonight, hopefully. Um, the other, like we said, uh, again, as it seems like now, John Cena uh, with uh, just regularity as, uh, as the rest of us get up in the morning and put our shoes on, uh, John Cena has the match of the night every time he's out there. And, you know, kudos to him. I know that the haters are going to say it's always the other guy. Um, but, you know, and in all the respect in the world to Kevin Owens, I mean, Kevin Owens is a great competitor, too. Uh, but you got to give it to John Cena, what he's been able to do with that U.S. title match, that U.S. title championship, uh, each and every match he has. Uh, match of the night last night, and again, we talk about question marks. Um, you got the impression last night, Dave, that this is the last match between Owens and Cena. They speculated on WWE.com, would Owens go after Cena one more time? I don't think that makes a lot of sense. It, it's over. Uh, it's time for Owens and Cena to move on to other programs. But the big question mark is, who are those programs, and do we do we have the both start programs that lead them to their SummerSlam matches? Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, last night, I will say, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. I've enjoyed every Kevin Owens-John Cena match, okay? And they have popped themselves since they began this program each and every time. 
Um, I will agree with you, and I said this, I've been saying this for a while, since Cena won the United States title at WrestleMania, the U.S. Open Challenge, and John Cena has consistently been the best thing about WWE television and WWE storylines since WrestleMania. Um, I saw the tweet that you posted from uh, TNA's Bully Ray about the match, saying that Owens didn't have to win to get over, um, and kind of giving a proverbial F you to the internet wrestling community or wrestling fans. I would agree with him. However, it seems to be that in recent years, John Cena's rivalries, he's always come out the victor in the rivalries, always won the rubber match. And more often than not, he's always coming out the victor in, 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 in these big-time matches, okay? You, you, you rarely see him lose. Past few months, past year or so, I would say, you've seen him on the losing end more than you have in years prior, okay? And especially to the younger, newer talent this year. Like last year with Wyatt, he had a great rivalry with. The stuff with Bruce was pretty good. The stuff with Owens has been great. Um, to me, in my opinion, Owens was over before he got involved with Cena, before he came to WWE. His indie reputation really helped get him in the door in WWE. His stuff in NXT is similar to what he was doing on the indie scene, and then brought, that translated over to the main roster. When he got involved with Cena, I remember vividly the, the pop that he got coming out to confront Cena the first time to kickstart this rivalry, which to me meant... He was over, okay? And this was something that fans wanted to see. You know, it wasn't something where they were just trying this out to see if he was going to get over. He was already over. So working with Cena has kept him over, and he'll stay over for good, in my opinion. And I think that's what the main objective was for WWE, uh, to keep to make sure that Kevin's, Kevin Owens stays over by working with John Cena. And they did a pretty good job of that. I personally, I'm not mad at the outcome. I thought it was a great match. I just wish we would have seen a different outcome. I just wish you would have saw Owens maybe get the victory, and that would have been a sign of, you know, wow, like times really are changed. We're seeing some new guys. This guy's going to be a big deal, and that guy's going to be a big deal. Not saying that John Cena needs to get pushed off to the side, but it just would have, I don't think it would have hurt if Cena lost this rivalry, and maybe it would have jumped off to something even better for him after Kevin Owens. I, I, I'm not saying that Owens absolutely needed this win, but it would have been nice for him. Agreed, and he was my pick, you know, for for last. I mean, I picked Owens. You picked Cena. So I was I was hoping to see that. No, I picked Owens actually. What? I did. I, I picked Owens too. I just didn't pick him to win the belt. I picked like a DQ false kind of finish. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So we both picked Owens. Uh, you know, and I think last night we were talking. Um, you know. It was like, you know, I think I said, like, I you know, do I pick with my head or my heart? And uh, I kind of wanted to say, and I, you know, again, the show, we've said it time and time again, this is not a Cena hater show. Um, but I kind of wanted to see Owens um, win. You know, it's interesting now, though, Dave, what, you know, John Cena, the U.S. title, uh, open challenge has been, like, consistently the best thing going. You said it on WWE programming. Um, you know, Owens, you're right. Owens was over already. And this, this, you know, his stock rose, and he's talented. He'll be fine with this. Hopefully, they figure out a good program to move him into. But uh, you know, I'm curious to hear what he has to say tonight. Um, but you could tell now at this point, the WWE does recognize that this is the best thing going on their television. 
you know, and Mike Riker, who was on the show last night, said it, and I think it became even more to the point. It is really going to be difficult to get that belt off him. And who on the roster right now is is the right guy? Um, you know, I don't know right now as far as the mid card who'd be the right guy to take the title off him. I mean, I guess you could say Cesaro would be a would, would be a favorite. Maybe Dolph, but he's not around and he's got stuff going on with Rusev when he does come back. But I said this a while ago, and I think it could still work. Um, somebody to really beat John Cena and take that U.S. title, not only to um, tell a good story in the, in the in the in the case of John Cena, but also to, as a passing of the torch in some ways, and someone who needs the build up eventually to get back to the top of of main event in WWE is Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has always been looked at by WWE as their next big guy, the next John Cena in a way. And if I think Reigns being gradually built back up, I think will help his stock with fans and you won't hear as many boos. And I think especially beating John Cena who, you know, a, 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 an overwhelming majority of males 18 to 35 do not care for John Cena. I think that would help Roman Reigns' stock beating John Cena and taking that U.S. title. Maybe having a little run with it heading towards eventually the, the, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So I'm, I'm going to say Reigns. Reigns would be the guy to do it. But he's tied up right now. So You're right, but that's a good point, man. If they go, you know, if they keep seeing with that title for a while, um, you know, post-SummerSlam maybe, you, you have that, uh, you know, maybe you got an interim guy that, bro, that Cena's going to run with. But post-SummerSlam, if, uh, you know, he comes out Monday night and, uh, you know, issues that open challenge, and you hear Reigns' music hit, and uh, he comes walking out of the crowd. Uh, that, that would be a cool moment, and it'll be interesting to see. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. In a little while, we're gonna have IWF wrestler, wrestler, the All Star Michelle D will be joining us in a little bit. Right after the break, we're gonna get your calls. Thank you guys for calling in. Being patient. Anyone else out there? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. Get on board. We're going to get your calls right after the break. But now, it is time for the day five fifty fifty news report. Good evening, and welcome to a sweltering edition of the day five fifty fifty news report. Only heard at or around the top of the seven o'clock hour, right here on the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk which can also be heard as a part of 1640 PWPR, Pro Wrestling Podcast Radio Network. Subscribe to 1640 PWPR for free on iTunes, and you can listen to this show and so many other great wrestling podcasts. So get on it and be a part of this groundbreaking experience right now. Now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, let's get into some news, shall we? Last week... WWE announced that Japanese wrestling legend Jushin Thunder Liger will be a part of the WWE NXT TakeOver Special live from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, the night before SummerSlam on August the 22nd on the WWE Network. Liger reportedly will be facing off against NXT's Tyler Breeze. Reports out suggested that with Liger's strong ties to both Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, that his WWE appearance was the beginning of a working relationship between WWE and Ring of Honor. 
thus eliminating New Japan Pro Wrestling from the equation. As of right now, that is not the case. Liger has a special deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling that allows him to take just about any outside booking he pleases without permission from New Japan Pro Wrestling. This move is seen as a direct shot to Ring of Honor from WWE, as Ring of Honor has multiple New Japan Pro Wrestling talent on their Field of Honor card from MCU Stadium in Brooklyn, New York, the very same night NXT is running the Barclays Center. Speaking of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the company announced this week that they are beginning an international expansion, according to PW Insider. Working relationships with Ring of Honor, Global Force Wrestling, the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, CMLL out of Mexico, Revolution Pro, and WXW were announced in the press release by the company. It was also announced that the company is starting a developmental program similar to WWE's NXT called Young Lions, but will not be affiliated with NXT whatsoever. Interesting story here. Last week, reports surfaced of Hernandez being let go by TNA due to his contractual obligation to Lucha Underground not being settled. Allegedly, Hernandez told TNA officials a few weeks back that he was let go by Lucha and was a free agent, which then in turn, TNA signed him to a new deal. Lucha sent TNA a cease and desist order after seeing Hernandez on TNA television, ordering the company to not air footage on upcoming episodes of Hernandez as he's still under contract to Lucha Underground. TNA then had to cancel any storylines moving forward with Hernandez and anybody else that was involved in storylines with him, including his fellow beatdown clan members. And they also had to replace that footage as several weeks of television was taped involving Hernandez. What came out of all this was TNA releasing Hernandez from his deal, to which upset their, his friend and fellow BDC member MVP. MVP had put in a good word for Hernandez and helped him get this new deal from TNA, according to sources. News of his release had then prompted MVP to ask for his very own release from TNA, to which he was granted that request. Both MVP and TNA confirmed the parting of ways on Twitter earlier this week. This story might get some of you buzzing, but remember, let's take this with a grain of salt. As Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer was reporting that WWE officials have recently discussed the idea of reuniting the Shield, and that reunion could take place as early as SummerSlam next month. Meltzer also noted that he expects all three men to be babyfaces at the big SummerSlam event. Like I said, grain of salt, people. Just speculation as of now. And in our final story, a comical yet pathetic piece of news, but I'm only reporting this to educate some of you future pro wrestling hopefuls listening out there that saving your money is crucial, especially if life after wrestling hasn't treated you kindly. Former million-dollar champion, Virgil, bodyguard to the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, has launched a GoFundMe campaign asking fans to donate money to help him become a millionaire. Here's a part of the caption that I'm sure will either anger you or make you laugh. And I quote, Show your love for your favorite wrestler ever by giving me $1, $10, $100. Shit, give me $1,000 and make me a millionaire. Millionaire is written in all caps, by the way. As of this writing, I'm being told that approximately $750 has been donated to the account. As the old saying goes, I guess everybody has a price. 
And there you have it. Another edition of the Day 550-50 in the books. Don't forget to head on over to iTunes and subscribe to 1640 PWPR for free to hear this show and the long list of other great wrestling podcasts that are part of this groundbreaking experience. I'm Dave Rosenbluth, and this has been the Day 550-50 News Report, signing off. Geez, I think we got to, like, get on this, and we need a Ken Reedy show GoFundMe page or something, uh, you know, make us millionaires. And to be perfectly honest, I'll take the $750. That is the number to call. Let's head out to the phones. we got Tony who's on the line. Tony, how are you doing this evening? Hey, guys, I'm doing all right. Oh, my God, Virgil, what? I don't know what's going on. What's <laughs> happening with that guy? I mean, yeah, I was a big fan of his as a kid growing up, but he's not my favorite ever. Uh, you know, I I would actually doubt, like, anybody as a wrestling fan. I, I mean, I've never met anybody who Virgil was their, their favorite wrestler. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if you're, if, you're, if you're really watching if Virgil was your favorite wrestler. But uh, I digress. Uh, what did you think of Battleground last night? I thought it was a decent show. I thought the the end was very, uh, you know, the, the end of the show was very flat. And pretty much I think it covered, it every, it covered everything, you know, it's... Taker really came off looking like a heel in, 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 in there. I thought so, too. You know, and it was just like, for him to, you know, it's like, it was just, I thought the match was just, you know, it's like, wasn't really much of a match. You know, it was like, he just had Rollins getting, taking it to Suplex City about, I don't know, how often, and then, uh, uh, and then he was like, he, he was about to, you know, he was going to lose the match, and then, and then you know, the, the whole stick happens with Taker, and then it was like, the lights go on, and then, like you said, it was like, Rollins just freaking disappeared, you know, it's, and then just, you know, oh, man, that's one, of the, that's one, that's one thing that, that this company doesn't really, really gets me, you know, it's like a lot of times, I mean, they've, they've done it a few other times, too, uh, you know, where it's like they have a match, and it just ends out of nowhere, it's like no bell, no bell rings, no, you know, like no nothing, it's like the ref just like, isn't there, and it's just, it's like a match, a match just ends, no bell, no, no bell, nothing, so it's just like, so like the lights go out, Taker comes in, kicks Lesnar in the balls, which I thought was a really weak thing for for, for a guy like Taker to do, and it was just like I, I don't know, you know, I mean the couple tombstones or whatever. I mean, uh, it was like I say, it, it really made him look like a heel. I mean, it's like you know, like you say, you know, it's like to. Uh, I mean, unless this whole thing is going to be tied to how uh, Lesnar breaking Kane's ankle last week, I I, I really don't see the. Uh, I mean. I, Really, I really don't see the point of uh, doing, doing taking Lesnar at SummerSlam. I, you know, like I say, I, I don't, I don't know. I guess you know, it's, unless they, um, you know, like unless they do something where it's like Lesnar beats him at SummerSlam and they have the rematch at WrestleMania and then Taker wins there. Because, as far as I know, Taker has never beaten Lesnar, has he? Jeez, that's a good question. I, I don't know offhand. I mean, uh, has he, uh, Dave? Do you know if, if there was an event way back in the day that uh, Taker beat Lesnar? Um, you know, all right, I, 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 all right, their first meeting was at Unforgiven 2002, and that was a non-finish, it was like a double disqualification, they had a pull apart, the next one was at the Hell in the Cell, Lesnar beat him, uh, following that, Lesnar became a baby face, they didn't cross paths probably for about a year, Lesnar beat him in a biker chain match at No Mercy 2003. Um, trying to see what else they wrestled. 
the last time they re- and then the last time they wrestled was WrestleMania on pay per view, and that was Lesnar obviously winning. So Undertaker has never beaten Brock Lesnar in a in a in a, a pay per view singles match or in a singles match altogether, as far as I know off the top of my head. You can call me Davepedia, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, it was just, you know, it, Tony, you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, you know, it was just kind of a weird kind of vibe. But, you know, like what exactly was the decision last night? I mean, how uh, it, it just kind of was – it was it was odd. It was an odd finish. It, it, it's kind of a head-scratcher. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I get it on some levels that, you know, maybe the WWE is just looking at – I mean, it's SummerSlam, so you don't think they'd have to. But you know, maybe they're just thinking, hey, Lesnar – Lesnar Taker, the rematch, uh, you know, is going to sell some tickets, put fannies in the seats. Uh, I don't know, but like I said, I mean, I'm not kind of, I'm not that excited for that rematch. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of curious where exactly uh, they're going to go with that. But what do you think of the the show last night as a whole? I did, I thought the show was pretty decent. Uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't really like not the not the best show, not not the greatest showing, but it was you know it wasn't the worst either. I thought that, you know like I said the the end of the show, especially ending at ten forty five. I mean that was just like real. I hated that. But uh, Cena and Owens they had another good match. Uh, you know cause I I didn't care for the finish though. You know Owens tapping out clean was just I. I so it's like, oh, it's like, you know, it's like I just hope Vince doesn't think, okay, now we're okay, now this this guy is lost to Cena, and now it's time to just not know what to do with him now, you know. So it's I don't I don't know. I mean, I I personally would like to see I I personally would like to see this feud continue on, you know, because I mean they did have a video on WWE.com, you know, with Owens uh, saying that he just tapped out to live to fight another day so he can provide for his son or whatever. But it was you know it's, it's like I I don't know you know it's like. It, I really think Kevin Owens should, should should be the guy who actually wins this feud if they, if they keep going with him. If they keep going with it. I know Cena's the hero and everything, but you know, you know, so, sometimes you know, it's like Vince has got to you know, realize, you know, it's like Cena's got to, you know. I mean, I know he's been having great matches most of the. He's been having great matches all year, but you know, it's like I mean, I don't know if you know, it's like who's going to take the U.S. title off him if not just Owens, Cesaro. You know, I, I would say you know Cesaro or even you know or you know. I don't know, like about putting the title on Roman Reigns. I don't um, Reigns and Cena. I don't know how the fans would react to that one. Uh, but uh, as far as the rest of the show goes, you know, I uh, take her, uh, not take her. Um, Reigns and uh, Bray. It was, it was. I don't know. It wasn't a bad match. I just found myself zoning out on it. I don't know why. I just found myself zoning out on that one, but uh, I'm actually—I think it's good that you know—I actually like that Luke Harper is actually back with him because once they split up the Wyatts, it's like none of them are going anywhere. So it's so if they put the you know, whenever Eric Rowan uh, returns, you know, it's like if they put the if they uh, reunite the Wyatts, I think that'd be you know that'd be, that'd be good for all three guys there. Um, I totally agree with you. I mean, that was one of those weird things where like you look at the two big factions in the WWE and. You know, talk about, like, two extremes. I mean, the Shield breaking up has been, to me, good for everybody. Um, You know, everyone's, you know, Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns have all done well as single competitors. And, uh, you know, for the Wyatts, the breaking up of the Wyatts, really the exact opposite. Uh, Not not the best run. Uh, You know, even for Bray, you know. And I love Bray, and I love what he brings to the table. But uh, uh, it was just kind of one of those odd breakups that didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. And, uh 
a lot of floundering going on with the members of the Wyatt. So I agree with you. I was real happy to see Luke Harper back with Bray. Yeah, I was too. I mean, I didn't. I didn't get why he showed up in a hoodie. It's like he could have just come out. You know, it's like he didn't have to be disguised and have to be like the announcer be like, "Who's that guy?" But you know, who's that seven foot guy? He's got a hoodie yeah. on. I have no idea who that seven footer is hanging out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like it wasn't like they were debuting somebody from NXT or anything. <laughs> exactly. But uh, speaking of NXT, I th- I thought the women's match was good too. You know, I, I thought that they really. Um, you know, but I mean, Charlotte. I've always enjoyed, you know, like I've always enjoyed uh, Charlotte, Sasha. You know, like all of you know the women on NXT. They always have great matches, especially you know, like on the watch shows. Um, yeah, and I thought I thought even Brie was, uh, you know, Brie up to game too. You know, she's been really, uh, you know, the Bellas have actually gotten. I think they've improved, you know, over the last, you know, you know, I don't know, year or so. You know, it's like they're, they're definitely more than you know. More, more than just, you know, okay, just more than just stand there and look hot and that's it. You know, I agree with you. I, I think they've improved. I think they've gotten better. Um, but I still think they're not where uh, these ladies from NXT are. And that's that's a problem. And I, I think the uh, the light starts to shine pretty bright on the inadequacies of the, uh, the WWE divas uh, as opposed to the NXT female wrestlers. And uh, that's... Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the the ladies' division evolves over time now. But uh, I agree with you. I think the uh, the match was really good last night. And uh, you know, when's the last time we were talking about a uh, ladies' match being one of the show stealers? And uh, you know, kudos to the NXT ladies and Brie uh, for putting on a kick-ass match. And Tony, as always, thanks for the call. Good stuff tonight, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Oh yeah, you take it easy, brother. Thanks a lot. Yeah. All right, thanks. Good stuff from Tony, as always. And, yeah, you know, it's it's funny, Dave, man, when you talk about last night and, uh, you know, the ladies' match. I mean, if you wanted if you wanted to – look, I still think it was Cena Owens. But if you're, if you're of the opinion that the ladies' match was the match of the night, um, you know, I, I ain't going to argue with you. I mean, it was, it was right there. It was a, a show-stealer-type matchup. Uh, you know, it was real good. And, and when's the last time uh, we were even remotely begin to even – Talk about, mention, think even that the ladies' match could steal the show. And uh, last night we got that. And as we move forward into an era where, uh, you know, there might be a a resurgence on the way, if you will, in uh, ladies' wrestling, um, you know, you've known her in the past as our producer, Michelle DeGee, um, but she's on the line now. And for tonight, uh, she is IWF wrestler. The all-star Michelle D, who's on the line, is going to give us a couple minutes. Michelle, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Um, but let's get into it. Uh, first off, you know, one of the things I, I yeah, as we were getting ready for uh, the interview, and one of the things I, I, I really wanted to ask you, it, it, it's been um, it's been an interesting decade uh, for you. And, and I was thinking about this that you know, ten years ago. Uh, you know, maybe you had heard of Hulk Hogan. Uh, maybe you knew that wrestling existed, but not so much uh, well-versed in, in the realm of professional wrestling. And, and over the course of this decade, you know, seven WrestleManias, a bunch of Raws, producing this show, um, and now you're in the ring. 
So it's been quite a journey over this past, the past 10 years to get to the point where uh, you're in the ring now. Uh, tell us a little bit uh, about what that journey has been and uh, what it was like to finally step into the squared circle. Well, don't sell me too short. I, I had heard of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I, I heard a lot, you know, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, you know, a lot of those guys from back in the day and then, you know, Stone Cold in the 90s and stuff. But, yeah, it's, I've only really been actively watching for about 10 years. And I will thank you for that because, well, actually, I will thank the luck of the draw because the night that you said, just sit down and try, just watch. Honestly, I didn't really have an opinion on wrestling. I was just never really exposed to it. Growing up with one brother who wasn't a fan, it just, I didn't get exposed to it. So I happened to be lucky enough to start watching the night when Batista signed the contract and turned on Triple H with the thumbs down and then the melee with the, with the the signing of the contract, I guess I'm sure a table went flying. I remember looking at you and saying, oh, wow, now what? And you're like, well, now we watch on Sunday. We watch, well, there's a pay-per-view. What do you mean pay-per-view? What's a pay-per-view? You know, I really didn't know anything about that stuff. But, um, And, you know, as time went by, I've learned to appreciate a lot of the older stuff. Um, you know, I, I, had, I think I started watching in a decent era, um, and then it, it got better, and then it got worse, and then it got better, and then it got worse. But I... I you know, thank you guys for schooling me in the old stuff. You know, Dusty Rhodes, I will never forget when we all sat there after a pay-per-view and Dave LaGreca decided to order the, the network at the time, whatever the, the network was before the B network. And uh, you guys dug around for it and you found the Hard Times promo. And, like, I think I was sold at that point on, on you know, really getting into the meat of the business. So I know I'm a little verbose on that, but... Um, getting into the ring. The first day, which I blogged about this, and if you haven't read the blog, you can go to um and read a couple of my blogs. I'm a little backlogged on them, and I'm going to add a few this week, uh, so stay tuned for that. But I have been logging all my feelings on this since the beginning. And the first day, I remember walking in there, it was a very cold Sunday morning in January, January 4th, I believe, and I was scared to death. <laughs> I was getting in there thinking, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting my body through this? And can I do it? I actually thought, am I physically going to be able to, to do it? Although I've always been, I guess, an athlete in a way, if you want to say. Um, through my life, I've done various things. But I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd ever be in the wrestling ring. So I questioned myself, and I got there, and I got in the ring, and I was asked to do things. We were all asked to do certain moves we were shown and certain things uh, that I never thought I'd be doing, basically. And, and I did them, and once I started doing them and I could do them, I just felt better and better about it, and I couldn't get enough, and I just wanted more. That's us. Awesome. So now you've had you got a couple matches under your belt, uh, a little bit of IWF, and again, you're wrestling for the promotion IWF. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit this uh, your last match, uh, a little bit of of history that you you have, uh, albeit small, a a little sliver of wrestling history now under your belt. Yes, I do, and I'm really excited about it. And it is a very small sliver, but it's my sliver for now. Um, I did um, perform in the very first singles women's match in the IWF new building history in the Nutley, New Jersey building. 
and my opponent, Varla Ray, and I had at it because she got involved in the match between the Dark Oracle Sage and Dan the Conqueror a few minutes earlier, and she had no business getting involved. And she, and I mean, I tried to get the ref's attention, but he was just not paying attention. She interfered, and Dan the Conqueror lost the American Championship, and I saw it all unfold before my very eyes. And I stood there, and I just, I was infuriated, and I just, I wanted to have, you know, I wanted to have it out. So we, we had we had our match, and, you know, it was going along, and, and I was going to kick her butt, and I was in the midst of kicking her butt, and I was about to just unleash the all-star on her. And then uh, turn about this fair play, I guess he's coming out to, to, to save her, and uh, Dark Oracle Sage decides to put his hands on me and interrupt. And I did get the victory, though. I did get the victory by disqualification therefore making me the first women's wrestler in the new IWS building to win a match. And, and that, that's awesome. You know, anytime I think, you know, and, and it shows your respect for the business that, uh, you know, even if it's a small sliver of history, uh, you know, you want to be proud of grabbing that small piece of, of wrestling history. I'm curious because, you know, we refer to you as a female wrestler. Um, I feel like every time you, uh, you, you mention that, uh, you know, you say female wrestler, you say wrestler. Uh, I, I feel like you're stressing that word each and every time it comes out of your mouth. So uh, I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, you know, what does the word diva mean to you, uh, uh, when you when you compare it to saying something like you're a pro wrestler? When I think of diva, I think of Barbie doll. I think of, you know, a girl that's got on in life based on her look. And that's not me. I mean, it's just not. It's just, I, I think that, you know, back in the day, there were women wrestlers. And I actually think now there may be, there may start to be women wrestlers in the, the, the NXT girls. And, you know, there's some up on the main roster, like Tamina and Natalia, um, that, that I think fall into the more female wrestler category than the Barbie dolls, like the Bellas and you know, Kelly Kelly, like that's the epitome. To me, Kelly Kelly, if you had to put a picture in the dictionary under diva as far as the wrestling world goes, not as far as the singer goes, because in my mind that's like a Mariah Carey, which also screams of high maintenance demanding. And it's just that to me is not what I am and not what I want to be. I think female wrestler embodies someone who is an athlete, someone who works hard and perfects the craft not to go out there and prance around and look good, but to actually go in the ring and kick butt. Let's get to the side. You're talking about that, and you're talking about athleticism, and, and you know, you're talking about the ladies on the main roster. That, and it's it's amazing that, like, you know, but those ladies don't see, they can't seem to buy a match when you talk about Tamina and Natalia. Um, I'm curious, some of your, your uh, I mean, you mentioned Dusty Rhodes before and watching Hard Times. Uh, are there... Any other uh, wrestlers, uh, whether it's on, on the main roster, NXT today, or yesteryear that you would cite as uh, some of your influences? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, well, actually, I'll say Chris Jericho, and this is probably something you wouldn't expect me to say, but Chris Jericho definitely is because I have I, – I, his, his promos are awesome, the way he speaks and commands the crowd. Um, you know I've always loved Sheamus, um, but that's for more of the, like – 
kick-butt aspect of a wrestler. You know, he's a fighter, and I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, thinking of those, I, I think, you know, you wouldn't have expected me really to say hey, Chris Jericho. Um, and, and, you know, I always love Jeff Hardy. Now, I'm not going to say I'm going to get up in the ring and go jumping off some scaffolding. I don't think I have it in me to ever do that, nor do I want to. But he's someone that always did it to perfection. And you got to respect a guy that puts his body on the line like that and comes out on top every time, you know, his issues aside, personal issues aside. Um, just the fact that he could do those moves over and over and over again to perfection, you know, and it's just it's such a... It's such a crapshoot, so to speak, when you're doing stuff like that, that he gets it right every time. So I respect that. Oh, very interesting stuff. Uh, all right. Well, you know what? We are talking to the all-star Michelle D.I.W.F., ladies wrestler. Uh, you know, you have an event coming up. So uh, before we let you go, uh, why don't you give uh, the fans of the show the info where we can get tickets, uh, you know, some of the wrestlers on the card, just uh, – it's that time in the interview where it's time to promote. So uh, give us what we can expect at IWF, this upcoming event. Well, Friday night and in at the IWF camp, the IWF school in Nutley, New Jersey. You can go to the website, uh, campiwf.com, and get tickets there. You can get tickets at the door. It's the Red Hot event. And... I can't give away too much because you just, you know, you don't want to give away too much. you got to show up and see what's going on. But I do have a feeling that, you know, this feud is not done between myself and, and Varla Ray. I have a feeling perhaps the Dark Oracle Sage and Dan the Conqueror may have some business going on. It is the return of Johnny Angel, who's been out for a little bit. we got to see what, what he has to say. I'm sure Galindo is not happy uh, about his loss to Mike Cam as the golden boy. So I'm sure there's some beef going on. And, of course, Kevin Knight will be appearing. And I'm sure he'd speak for himself, and, you know, he's going to put on a great show. So Friday night, Nutley, New Jersey, 8 p.m., come on down and see what we have to offer. I'm sure you'll be in line in two weeks after that for the next show. Good stuff, All-Star. Thanks a lot for giving us a, a few minutes. Good luck. And uh, i got to get you back on and uh, continue to uh, hear about the progression of your career. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing those upcoming blogs on uh, uh, your career in pro wrestling and, and how, it, uh, how you're doing with it and how it affects you and your feelings and everything. So looking forward to reading those, as I'm sure our fans are. Thanks a lot for spending a couple minutes. Thank you guys so much. Have a good rest of the show. I'll talk to you later. Bye, thanks. Bye. And there you have it, the all-star Michelle D. And it's it's interesting, you know, Dave, like right now uh, where she is and, uh, you know, still new to the business and getting in. But uh, you would start to think, I mean, the IWF, you know, they wrestle at the school, they run a school. Uh, with what's going on, what we've seen out of the show last night in Battleground, you know, the writing's on the wall for uh, a resurgence in ladies wrestling, um, we might see now a lot of, younger ladies uh, thinking, hey, maybe I want to get into wrestling. So this might be a really good time for Michelle to uh, be starting her wrestling career. Uh, yeah, very well. It, it, it could be. I mean, you know, WWE, um, you know, decided on this, you know, women's wrestling revolution angle uh, for a number of reasons. One, because I think fans have truly wanted to see actual women's wrestling and not just, you know, like Michelle said, just a bunch of Barbie dolls. Um, 
you know, that are plastic and fake and just the epitome of a diva. And second and more importantly, women in professional sports, Ronda Rousey in MMA, the women's soccer team, the, the, the Williams sisters in tennis, you know, women in professional sports are, you know, outshining some of the males. And I think WWE wants to be a part of that female, you know, athletic, athleticism revolution. You know, and they want to hitch their hitch their you know their their, their wagon to that to that horse. So um, I think it's a great time for for that, and just a great time for all women in wrestling. Because let's face it, I think five, six, seven years ago, if you were just a regular girl that was that that had decent, moderate wrestling skills, you'd probably be on the indie scene for the rest of your life. But now, if you are a a uh, a, a, a regular girl or that has phenomenal wrestling skills, there's a great chance you could make it to WWE and make it on the main roster or make a name for yourself, you know, in, in TNA or wherever. I think women's wrestling is, uh, you know, is, is on the rise. Let's just say, I really truly believe that now. I don't think it's a, uh, it's the Barbie doll era anymore. And it's exciting. And you know what? Like, and it makes sense, especially for the WWE, um, you know, with all the programming they have and it's, you know, we had talked about, you know, this a while back, and, and things are moving in, a, in the right direction, but we're going to come in each and every week with a three-hour Raw, and we can sit here and beat that dead horse about, you know, Raw being too long. But if you're going to stick with the formula of having a three-hour Raw, well, then it makes sense to beef up your other divisions. And, and, you know, you have the U.S. title now matters. They're building the IC title. They're building the tag title. Now you build your ladies' division, now you're starting to have programming that, you know, maybe you can give us consistently, you know, decent three-hour Raws because now you have a, a, a picture around, you know, each division and each title belt. And, and, you know, that's what you want to see in the eye candy. Like you said before, it was a bathroom break, you know. And, and, and look, it, red-blooded American men, yeah, I love looking at some, some good-looking women, but – you know, after a while, it's like, you know, this is a wrestling show, man, and I'm a wrestling fan, and I want to see some good in-ring action, and, uh, you know, the eye candy just wasn't cutting it. So, hopefully, it's moving that direction, and, and we get to see some real, some more. I mean, last night, we got it, but we get to see some more kick-ass ladies wrestling. 347-838-9815, that is the number to call. We're going to go back out to the phones. You guys have been awesome. A few of you have been on hold for a while, so let's get out there. We're going out to California. This is Kevin. Kevin, you on the line? Hey, you know I'm there. Hey, how you doing, hey, Tom, brother? What do you got for us? Oh, I got a lot for you, brother, especially after what happened last night. I'm contrary to a lot of other people's sentiments thinking that was a throwaway pay-per-view or garbage to go that far. I thought it was a great pay-per-view, especially with what its purpose was to serve was to actually probably to build up SummerSlam. You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give Battleground a solid 8. You know, I understand some people's gripes when it comes to, for instance, Cena Owens and Seeing a triumph and again in another rivalry again, I want to tap out, but I'm quite confident with the man Kevin Owens himself and what he's capable of doing in that ring and cutting promos. He's gonna be all right. He's gonna have a bright future in the landscape of the WWE. The big story here, before I get to that, you know, when it comes to Taker and Lesnar, I'm gonna say that for a minute. Um, when it comes to Reigns and Wyatt, there's more to what's being presented with that particular um, storyline which is, it's not by coincidence right now, all of a sudden, Luke Harper is just now coming back to the fold with Bray Wyatt to cost Roman Reigns match. 
this is this is the way they're gonna eventually bring Sting into the fold, back in for the build to SummerSlam, and more than likely it's gonna end up being on one corner, the Wyatt family, be it two members or three or four, however they feel about going in about adding on more members, against in another corner, Roman Reigns and his partner Sting. What that serves as a purpose is when it comes to the match of last night. They had to, in order to try to go in this direction, they had to get Bray Wyatt on the, on, back on the winning track. And also, to set this match up, of course, you bring in another guy who can go with him and complement his in-ring style in the tag team in uh, Luke Harper. Roman Reigns, and you know he can go, but he needs some more shine because you know they're building him up. What better way to give him some more shine in a, in a rub than put him with Sting? You know, because, I mean, can you actually picture a match where this match is Sting and Reigns against White and Harper and people actually booing Reigns when he's side-by-side side with Sting? That's impossible. Then we get to the big picture here with Taker. There's so many things they can do with this. For instance, like when it comes to the WWE World Heavyweight title, for instance, what's not to say when Rock kicks off tonight, Taker, from what I saw on alert on my phone, he opens up the show and he says part of the reason why he did what he did is because, hey, what does Brock Lesnar care about right now in the WWE? The WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So he figured he screw him, even though he got beat clean at 30 for the streak, but that's his way of beginning to get back at him, let him know he's back on the scene. He's not done with him yet. And he throws his Undertaker hat into the WWE World Heavyweight title picture. There you go with the triple threat match. And even if that match is the way they go, you just say that Rollins is going to be the winner. You know, Taker could very easily win that match, and then he goes on his last run as WWE World Heavyweight Champion in 32. Not saying he'll be at 32 with the championship, but just say for the period of the fall. Or, of course, the chance of Lesnar getting the title again, and he's champion for the fall. But when it comes to those two, if they win if in that type of scenario, you know Sheamus is going to cash in sometime in the fall to make things exciting. Because I don't see Sheamus holding on to money in the bank going into uh, – WrestleMania season. And another factor you got going, you got to figure into this world title scene for the WWE, John Cena. Just in case they temporarily break away from Cena Owens. What's not to say in Brooklyn at Barclays Center at SummerSlam, it's not Cena and Rollins. And hypothetically, especially with the the huge momentum Cena's riding with this U.S. Open Challenge and the series of great matches he's having, what's not to say John Cena doesn't pull a Jay Lethal and he becomes a simultaneous dual champion in the WWE, holding the U.S. and the WWE World Heavyweight title. That's a possibility you got to look at, too, and it's very realistic right now. Uh, you put you put a lot out there to uh, digest. And, uh, and, again, I think that's part of it, like, when you come out of Battleground last night. And I, I, I'll agree with you there. I mean, I would probably give it, you know, Battleground a, a 7 or 8, too. Oh. I thought it was a, a very solid pay-per-view. I didn't think it was a great pay-per-view, uh, but I thought it was very solid. It gave us a lot of uh, entertainment value, a lot of decent matches, uh, a couple of great matches. Um, so I, I thought it was good. It's, I guess as a fan, it's, it's you know, you, you kind of look at it as, you know, are you okay with this pay-per-view? Uh, a lot of the point of this pay-per-view was to set up the next pay-per-view and get you ready for SummerSlam. Uh, my biggest concern, I mean, I could see, like, you're, I, I do agree with you. I don't know if it'll be SummerSlam, but at some point, whether it's with both belts or, or some other uh, incarnation, I feel like, you know, especially with the work he's doing, that Cena will be back in the WWE uh, title picture at some point. Um, you know, the, the Taker, Brock stuff, yeah, you know, I wouldn't necessarily mind 
storyline-wise and respect-wise, uh, being able to see The Undertaker with that title again. My biggest problem, honestly, with The Undertaker right now is just physically. I, I just didn't think he looked good last night. And, um, you know, I don't know if he can... You know, if he can carry the load and, and, and what they can do. I, I would agree with you, though. I would want to see if you're going to have Taker come back. And I like your scenario with that Taker just came back uh, just to screw Lesnar out of the title. So it wasn't necessarily I want my revenge match. It was I just want to screw you out of the title. Um, if they go triple threat match, uh, I, I would. That's like for me, best case scenario. That's what I'd like to see. But uh, uh, lots, lots of stuff in, the, in that. Uh, that uh, your your phone call there, Kevin. A lot of stuff to digest. Dave, I'm curious, you know, what what, what Kevin had to say. What are what are your thoughts on that? All, all very valid points. Um, I think Cena will always be in and around the heavyweight title picture. Um, he's, I think, at, at this stage in his career, he shouldn't be the focal point. But if you want to give um, a new champion some credibility and having him face Cena for the title, I think that helps. I think it wouldn't be a terrible idea to put him in the title picture against Seth Rollins as long as he doesn't come out winning the title. Because I don't think there's any point in him winning the title anymore. Maybe they want to break the record for Ric Flair. I really hope that's not the case. But, um, you know, the last time Cena and Rollins had a rivalry was in the fall, and it was it, the, the authority kind of crowded that rivalry. That was after the whole... Cena got the authority fired storyline, and there were all different kinds of names, you know, inter interweaved into the storyline. But if it's just straight up for the title, Cena and Rollins at SummerSlam, I think it would be another notch on Rollins' belt, so to speak, to beat John Cena and really build up his stature. Because at this rate, and it may be a long shot for me, I mean, who's to say that Seth Rollins doesn't hold on to this title? until next year's WrestleMania. Then I got three more points for you guys. Another one that's realistic. What's not to say we don't see Kane come back tonight? Not as corporate Kane. Say Kane taps into that supernatural evil side of him. He recovers from this broken ankle and becomes the monster, the big red monster Kane again. Another two I want to throw at you guys. I know they may seem far-fetched or a long shot even, but hear me out. Another one is what if what if Taker actually aligns himself temporarily, not for the rest of his run, but temporarily with the authority? That's another one. That, and also um, Dave just touched on it, but you know before Cena hangs it up, Cena's getting 16, and this is a prime opportunity for him to get 16. And if he gets 16, and I'm not, I can rephrase that, when he gets 16, because it's going to happen, it's only a matter of time before he breaks Flair's record and he gets 17. I think when he gets to 17, that's when it's going to stop for Cena. Again, valid, valid points. I, mean, I agree with you. I think that the, what I've looked at from the WWE with John Cena, that they want to market him as the, the greatest of all time. I mean, that's that's what they want out of John Cena. And, you know, the run he's had and, and the length of time that he's been at the top of the heap, um, you know, he's in the conversation. He kind of has to be. Uh, you know, I get, you know, the people who don't think he is. I mean, I understand that, but he's got to be in the conversation. And I think the, the marketing machine that is the WWE uh, wants to put him on that short list of all-time greats and having him break Ric Flair's record uh, would not shock me at all. Uh, if that is on the agenda for the WWE. And it's amazing, you know, Cena's getting up there. 
Um, and he's 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 looking like the, he's wrestling the best matches of his career as he's getting older. So who knows how much longer John Cena has? I mean, you would have thought that maybe he was winding down, and uh, the dude is just putting on some uh, incredible matches right now. So uh, remains to be seen. But I agree with you. I think we'll see uh, John Cena uh, pass Ric Flair at some point, and and we'll see when that happens. Kevin, great stuff, man. Lots of great stuff to uh, brainstorm off of, and uh, look forward to hearing you again real, real soon. All right. Y'all take care. Have a great rest of the show today. Take it easy, bro. Thanks a lot. Wow, he he brought in, like, a lot. Kevin brought in a a ton of stuff. And, you know, one of the things I did think of is, you know, I did wonder, and, you know, we brought it up earlier in the show, the the ball kick, the – the, the Nads kick. The Nads kick heard around the world. Um, you know, I, I mean, look, it's Taker, and it's always going to be hard to, for Taker to, to be a true heel um, because of the respect and, and the admiration that fans have for him. However, he did character-wise take crowd reaction and everything else out of the mix, take the history out of the mix, and just look at, like, last night's interference for what it was. Taker came off very heelish last night, very heelish. And, you know, there, there is a history. I mean, go back to the corporate ministry. Um, I did think in terms of, you know, uh, could this be a ploy? Uh, you know, maybe we don't see a singles match, or maybe we see something where uh, Taker uh, brings, uh, gets uh, the devil's favorite demon back, and uh, we see a run with the, the Brothers of Destruction. Uh, you know, he comes back to be like, what the hell happened to you uh, kind of thing. Um, you know, do we see him ally himself with uh the the, uh, the guys, the Triple H's and the Stephanie's and the Rollins, do we see, uh, you know, the authority with uh, Taker in the fold, replacing Kane for a little bit? Do we see Kane come back as a big red monster? Do we see a heel Undertaker for a little bit, allied with uh, everyone in the authority? Um, it, it's it's a possibility. It's just, Again, you know, we talk about this, Dave, so many question marks coming out of that, and uh, Kevin just brought up a couple more. It's it's very interesting. Um, it's something that I don't think a lot of people have entertained the thought of at this stage in Undertaker's career, especially the kind of schedule that he um, he adheres to with WWE. Uh, it's it's very possible that could totally swerve us all, and last night could have been the beginning of Undertaker um, helping Rollins keep the title as a way of an insurance policy, uh, maybe. Undertaker did that to ensure himself a title shot at SummerSlam against Seth Rollins. Who knows? Um, but I'm kind of lean. I think. I mean, I think the 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 acting rather heelish and um, you know the low blow, the, the the mad shot, if you will. I, I don't like to refer to him as mad. Cause that's what I used to say in the seventh grade. Um, but uh, I, I think that's just fantasy booking. Right there, I don't necessarily agree that it's going to lead to some kind of uh, heel turn, but you know, I could understand why people would feel that way, considering the way that his character was portrayed in those uh, moments last night. So, but all interesting points by Kevin. Um, I disagree with him a hundred percent that they're going to have him break Rick Flair's record for title reigns. Um, I really do. I don't see why. Um, they feel it's necessary to make him um, the greatest of all time by having him break Ric Flair's record um, for, for most title reigns. He's got 
so many accolades under his belt that he doesn't need this. It's not like this is some benchmark that he needs to have to to, to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's already earned that for other things he's done. So um, I, I'm going to disagree with Kevin on that one. I think Cena's going to stay at, at uh, 15 title reigns. Wow. I, I think he's going to at least tie it. I think he'll get at least one more title run in. Well, let's, let's see uh... – Let's see what happens as the future unfolds. Let's get back out to the phone, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. And uh, we got Rocky who's on the line. Rocky, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, guys. How's it going? Doing all right. What do you got for us? Well, uh, I have to be in agreement with Kevin and and yourself. I thought it was a very solid pay-per-view last night. Uh, a lot of entertaining matches. Uh, I would say I would call the only real clunker, if you will, was probably Seamus Orton. Not that they're bad workers, but uh, the, the the interest level was just way low on that one. But uh, as far as the as far as the rest of the pay per view, some great matches there. Going along the the whole ladies wrestling uh, motif that you guys started off the show with, um, I wholeheartedly. I think it's telling that in last night's ladies' match, probably the best uh, spots in that match were probably the times that Brie Bella got dumped outside and just let let the NXT ladies show you how it's done. Uh, They are really driving this revolution. And going along with what you were saying earlier, Ken, especially if you're going to keep that three-hour Raw format and development of your roster, because let's face it, right now we do have a lot of talent on the roster, and and you've asked uh, the valid question. You know, where do you go? How do you? Where do you push people? What, you only have a finite number of belts and a finite number of storylines you can go with. And in regards to the women women's division, I think with the amount of talent they have, they actually have the ability at this point to start talking about something that has never been talked about uh, in in recent memory, and that's a a women's tag title. You know, you you have that deep roster, you have the talent, uh, you know, something else of interest to put on a three-hour show. What do you think? Uh, You know, I don't know. I mean, you're right. There's a lot of talent there um, right now, but to me, if you're really going to do a ladies' uh, tag title thing is you start to really need like a ton of talent i don't know if they they have enough right there uh to to do that um it is a thought because again like we're saying you're filling up a three-hour raw uh it's something else you can have a title picture surrounding it but uh i think for now as you're bringing people up a title like that might get a little bit lost um and just make it about the uh the divas championship the one thing i love also about the divas and the wwe and the nxt um, is the belt. And and the main roster has that dopey, stupid, pink, butterfly-looking piece of crap belt. And the NXT Ladies' Championship is actually a decent-looking belt. It's, it's it's amazing, like, top to bottom. It's like they got the better wrestlers, they got the better belt. It's uh, it's insane. And it's, uh, you know, quite frankly, it, it does look like it's going to be quite a revolution and a resurgence in females wrestling. I just, I don't, I don't know if I'm quite ready for a, a ladies' tag belt. What do you think, Dave? It's too much, I think, in my opinion. Um, I, they're in the process of rebuilding the women's division now. I think you should stick with that. Um, I think too many titles waters down the effect of championships. And I, like you said, I don't think there's enough deep 
enough talent with women in WWE to garner a ladies tag team championship belt. We saw what TNA did with that, and they didn't really have. I mean, TNA's made a lot of mistakes. Let's face it. You know, we can have a whole show based on that. But um, as far as the women's tag team championship is concerned, in TNA, that was just something that they rushed, and they barely the titles barely got defended. Uh, there weren't any real solid teams. So, I mean, yeah, it, it would just be too much right now. I think. I think stick to what you're what what you're doing good at right now is rebuilding the women's division with the one championship. And once that's guaranteed to be a, a, a surefire thing in terms of um, producing great matches and great storytelling on a consistent basis for a few years, then you can entertain the idea of doing a women's tag team uh, championship in WWE. But, you, I mean, right now, just stick to what you got. I just think it would be too much. Uh, that, that, that's fair enough. Uh, and going to the other matches uh, that we saw last night, again, I was with you guys as far as, as Cena, Kevin Owens. I figured Owens was going was gonna to take the – I thought he was going to take the belt. Uh, but it didn't turn out that way. And especially with the, uh, with the uh, World Heavyweight Championship match, I'm definitely on board with Dave. I was kind of surprised that, you know, normally when you're talking main event, you're 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 going in it with a good you know half hour left on the on the card. It's going to be a good match, and I think it's simply born of the character they developed with Lesnar, because when you look when you look on his face, you know Lesnar and Rollins, it, you knew it was going to be a squash. There couldn't be, you couldn't see barely any offense coming out of uh, coming out of Rollins, and are, are they really going to have Lesnar pound on him for half an hour? Uh, but uh, the the whole Undertaker thing, it was it, it was definitely out of left field. But I think this also goes to this goes to what I brought to you guys yesterday. Who's your ne- who's your next guy? Because okay, now you you have Undertaker back. Obviously, him and Brock are going to go settle their differences. Cena is off with his U.S. belt and he's doing his thing and causing great matches, you know, everywhere he goes. And he's got Rusev, Cesaro, and and that little three-way dance, four-way dance. When you throw back at Owens, if he's going to stay in the picture, you know, who's your next charismatic guy? You you, ha- you do have you do have Reigns and they are building him up, but who do you who do you call for the next uh, for the next run against the belt at this point in time? I, I mean I don't know you know where they're going to go now. I mean to me I do think that you know there's going to be some mix uh, with with Taker and Lesnar surrounding the belt uh, going into SummerSlam. As far as uh, beyond that, uh, like we said last night, I don't know. Um, I think we're going to see more of an ensemble. Um, you know, they got to figure out something to do with Ambrose. Uh, but I don't know if you have a guy right now that is definitively uh, the the top guy to say he's the, he's the next guy, he's the heir apparent. I mean, they're trying to create the heir apparent in, in Roman Reigns. And, and, again, like a lot of these guys, I don't know if I see a guy who is going to be the guy. I don't know if we have a guy like a John Cena who can be uh, the top guy, the guy doing all the, the, the media stuff and, and just that guy. I, I think it's going to be, you know, I think as, as this era 
evolves, and, and guys, I think you're going to see a lot of guys rotate in and out of the main event picture, and I think you'll see a combination of guys doing like the the talk show circuit, the movies, the appearances, and uh, I think it'll be a mix of guys like Ziggler and, and Reigns and Ambrose and, uh, you know, maybe some other guys I'm not even thinking of, but that'll, that'll wind up being... Uh, the guys that are out making the appearances uh, as a face, uh, you know, I, um, Seamus, uh, when I've seen him out and about, he seems like a well-spoken guy. Um, so I think you'll see like a combination of guys being that. I don't know if we, if to me right now, if, if you're going to tell me, find the guy on the roster, I can't, I can't find the guy that is definitively going to be the heir apparent. I think it's going to be a, a combination of guys uh, going forward in this upcoming era. Yeah, I just I simply think that you know they have developed Rollins as as the perfect weaselly heel mold. Now they kind of have to go on that contrast. Now we need a hero, as the song says, we need a hero. <laughs> wow, you're really quoting a song from Footloose for us. That's awesome. Yeah, go ahead and do that there. <laughs> <laughs> That's one one song from Footloose. Ah ah ah. <laughs> That's all I got for you guys today. It's good stuff tonight, Rocky. Thanks a lot for the call. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take it easy, brother. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I mean, Rocky brought it up last night, Dave, and, and it's, I, I, you know, it's kind of pushing the issue a little bit. I, I don't know, man. I, I can't look at a guy. I get what he's saying. Like, you kind of need a hero. And in all honesty, at some point with the way he works and, and his popularity as a heel, um, you know, Rollins will be a face down the road a piece again. Um, but again, I don't know if the, if there's that guy, you know, on the roster right now. I I don't think so either. Like we talked about last night, and you mentioned earlier, um, I think we're looking at an ensemble cast of of, of guys that are going to be the guy that will kind of uh, you know weave in and out of the the, the main event picture. Um, I think over time, depending on how they, you know. Uh, move his character forward, I think Roman Reigns could be that guy. And I don't think it's yet. I don't think he's ready to be the man, like the hero, the the, the, the number one baby face. And uh to me I don't really I don't really hold too much emphasis on stuff like that. Um when I especially when I watch and especially with WWE. I hold it with in regards to um, if they can go in the ring and if they have a good character. I don't necessarily need to line guys up as the number one baby face, like Cena's one, Reigns is two, Ambrose is three, Orton is four, and on the heel side, Rollins, Rusev, uh, Lesnar, and, you know, whoever. You know, I don't do that sort of thing. Um, so, but, you know, WWE needs, I guess, in their mind to, to see um, – uh, you know, a certain individual as the face of the company. And I don't look at it like that, but, you know, then again, I don't work for WWE, so there must be a reason why their formula has been working. But as a fan, I just don't see it like that. So I don't really hold great emphasis on needing to see who's going to be the next big hero, you know. There's guys that get cheered and there's guys that get booed. Um, but the only one that comes to mind that it's going to take a little while, but he'll get there, is Reigns. 
Agreed. And we've got the phones. We're going to try and squeeze in. We've got like two minutes left. But, Anthony, bring it. I want to get you on. You've been a hold. Thanks a lot for giving us a call. What do you got for us? Quick. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for taking me taking my call here. Um, real quick, I'm, you know, the pay-per-view was good. Uh, I thought they killed it with the, uh, the main event. I thought it was terrible. Have, not having a finish. I'm not a fan of Taker coming back, personally. And I'm not a big Taker fan, but I'm not a fan of it because, to me, this is like Mickey Mantle playing that last year, Brett Favre playing with 16s. There's supposed to be this big youth movement and bringing the young guys along and bringing up the NXT guys. Do they really feel they need to bring guys like Taker and Sting back to sell SummerSlam? Um, I think that I think that's a bad uh, impression or a bad precedent they want to set that we need these older guys to sell these pay-per-views because the younger guys aren't cutting it. And personally, that's the way I'm taking it. Um, I'm with you guys. I don't want to see a singles match with Brock and Taker. I mean, Brock's whole thing is Suplex City. They have a shirt. Do you really want to see Taker dropped on his head 15 times at 50 years old? I mean, he looks like he's 80. I mean, uh, I'm just, as the day went on today, it just it really started irking me, to be honest with you. Hey, you know what, Tony? And I'm going to let you go. Thanks a lot for the phone call. Um, and I'm going to talk about what you just said as I let you go. Um, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you next week. And I got to say, you know, uh, Anthony, man, we haven't brought it up, but excellent point. I mean, really excellent point. Amidst this youth movement, I'm cool with Sting being in the mid card, but you're putting Taker in the main event. And in this youth movement, uh, I, I thought it was an excellent point in our. Final minute, give, give me a quick reaction to what Tony said. I thought it was a great point, Dave. It is a great point. If, but However, if Taker's put in the main event, I, I, I think it's used to give Rollins the rub. I truly believe that. Um, but if it's just him and Lesnar, then, yeah, it's, it's an excellent point. But hopefully with him getting involved, this sets up a triple threat, and this benefits Rollins at the end of the day. Good stuff. Thank you so much. You callers brought it. Big thank you to the all-star, Michelle D., who gave us a call talking female wrestling. Check out CampIWF.com for tickets to this Friday's event. You can buy tickets at the door as well in Nutley, New Jersey. Get on the Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show for the raw chat. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week. For Dave, I am Ken. Good night, everybody. Boom.